After all, if you haven't seen your husband in weeks and then he takes you to your favorite bar to drink champagne, you certainly don't want anyone joining the party, especially if they've just been murdered. National Broadcasting Company presents The Adventures of the Abbots, starring Claudia Morgan and Les Damon as Pat and Jean Abbott, those popular characters of detective fiction created by Francis Crane. NBC invites you to join Pat and Jean each week at this time for an exciting recorded adventure in romance and crime. Our guest star in tonight's story is Miss Sherry Britton, making her second dramatic appearance in The Adventures of the Abbots. Now, here is Jean Abbott to set the stage for tonight's puzzle in murder. A story she calls The Pink Elephant. I hadn't seen Pat for two whole, miserable, lonesome weeks. So when he came home, we thought we'd celebrate. There's a cute little cocktail lounge near Pat's office called The Pink Elephant. It was a pet spot of ours, especially because our pal, Sammy Page, could be found there every night playing the piano, playing that fabulous, lazy blues of his. So Pat and I went to the Pink Elephant. We didn't find out about it until later, but while we were having our first cocktail, a little discussion was taking place in the office of a friend of ours, Gil McIntyre, managing editor of The Register. Gil was at his desk when he looked up and saw he had a visitor. Hiya, Gil boy. I haven't seen you in a long time. I thought you'd just never forgive me if I didn't drop in and say hello. I could have gotten along without it, Louis. Mind if I close the door? It's more cozy. Especially for two old pals like you and me. Go ahead, close it. Then speak your little piece, whatever it is, and blow. How you doing these days, Gil? Still the fearless newspaper man? Saving humanity and, by a strange coincidence, running up the circulation of the paper at the same time. Don't get all hopped up, Louis. You've just come out of jail. Everybody feels the way you do when they first get out. Just take it easy or you'll flip. I ain't hopped. It's very simple. What is? You sent me to the clink for eight years. So now? Yeah, so now? Now I'm going to blow your stinking head off. That's nice and simple, isn't it? Oh, I'm not going to do it now, Gil. I'm not that crazy. I'm going to do it when I feel like it. Maybe tonight, maybe next week, next month, next year. I want you to sweat a while. You can't have a cup with you forever. There'll be a minute, a day, a spot. I'll get a break. Call the cops if you want to. Tell them about the threat. How long will they protect you? And how well. While Gil was facing Louis, Pat and I were our regular table at the Pink Elephant, in a small back room reserved for their extra special guests. But the door was open so we could hear Sammy Page at the piano. Yes, darling. Pat, you were in New York for two weeks on a case, and you still haven't told me the most important part of it. Why? What did I leave out? 
Were there any luscious blonde suspects? Oh, oh, sure. And a sensational brunette. And a redhead. And you just uh, concentrated on the case. Now, look, dear. Didn't you tell me you couldn't come to New York with me because an old school chum was getting married? Oh, that was the truth. Yes, well, it takes just a few minutes to get married. You still had 13 days, 23 hours, and 55 minutes to yourself. What did you do, sit home and read the Encyclopedia Britannica? Oh, absolutely. Oh. I started with the first volume, A to Ostra, mm -hmm. whizzed through that, and when I was well into the middle of the second volume, that's Ostra to Calga, mm -hmm. I got your wire, you were coming home. Oh, listen, Pat. It's like Shangri-La, isn't it? After these two impossible weeks without you, we're together again. And Sammy's providing the perfect background music. Mm-hmm. And we've been kind of rude to Sammy, darling. We've been so busy with each other, we haven't said hello to him. Oh, you're so right, Pat. Sammy! Hi, Eugene. Pat? Hi. Let's talk to him. Maybe he'll play a few requests. Sure. Sammy, how about my favorite tune? Okay. I wish I could play. Well, I can. You do? Mm -hmm. No, you never told me. Well, sit down here. Oh, no, no. <laughs> She's not very good, Sammy. <laughs> I'm merely terrific, that's all. Go ahead. Oh, must you, dear? I must. My public demands it. <laughs> Let's hear Sammy, huh? <laughs> What's the difference, Pat? Let her go on playing. Everybody's gone home anyway. Go on, Jean. Sammy, I'm glad you appreciate great talent when you hear it. My husband is an illiterate, tasteless oaf who doesn't know hot piano playing when he hears it. <laughs> okay, dear, now if you don't quit, I'm going to pick you up bodily and carry you away from that piano. Well, why not let her have some fun? Everybody likes to fool around at the piano. I didn't know you could play, Mrs. Abbott. Uh, oh, hi, Marion. Oh, please, don't interrupt me. I'm inspired tonight. Gil, will you marry him? No, he's still at the paper. Told me to meet him here, but I guess he's stuck. Well, I'm going home. Sammy, hmm? if Gil comes in later, ask him to call me in the morning, will you? If you want to give him a message, give it to him yourself. Well, what's burning you? I just asked a favor. Oh, I'll tell Gil, Marion. Oh, thanks. Bye now. Oh, Sammy, you take over. I've given my all, and I'm exhausted. Okay, Mrs. Abbott. Sammy, what's wrong? You and Marion have another scrap? No, just can't stand that girl, that's all. You know, Mrs. Abbott, first time she came in here, she was a very sweet kid. That was a couple of years ago. Tonight, she breezed in, socked away five double scotches, dresses like a mouse, smears that junk on her face, wise cracks with everybody. Well, maybe she's just growing up. Lots of young girls try to be glamorous when they're her age and just succeed in being foolish. How old is she, anyway? Twenty. Twenty? Well, Jean is right. That's a, that accounts for it. Pat. Pat. Oh, Gil! Pat. Gil, you missed my recital at the piano. Uh, did you put the newspaper to bed, Gil? Marion was just Pat, here. never mind that, please. Yeah. Come over here to this corner. I have to talk to you right away. Something's happened. Oh, sure, sure. Excuse us. Go right ahead, Mr. Ray. 
Well, what is it, Gil? Tad, Louis Canito's in town. He just got out of jail. He came to my office and he said he's going to kill me. Gil was deadly pale. He kept mopping his brow with his handkerchief. I had to hold a match for him. He couldn't light his own cigarette because his hands were trembling so much. I thought he'd collapse. We sat at the table in the back room and he told us the whole story of how Louis had threatened to murder him. I put up a front, Pat. I acted tough, like it meant nothing. But I had plenty of butterflies in my stomach. Louis said I'd sweat blood and he's right. Have you got any idea what it's like to be in this spot? When someone's told you that they'll kill you somehow, somewhere, someday, it could be a year from now, three years, who knows? But when it's hanging over you like that, uh, Pat... What did he mean by saying you sent him to prison? That's just a neurotic exaggeration on his part. I didn't do it directly at all. I wrote a series of exposés for the paper about Louis and his mob. Mm -hmm. He had big money. He was trying to expand. He owned half a dozen rackets in the States, and he was trying to set up a kind of a cartel internationally. Mm -hmm. He had tie-ups with some of the biggest black marketeers and phonies in Europe and South America. He had a finger in fake uranium promotion in Canada. He had men working for him in Shanghai, Macau, Cairo. Well, the DA's office read my articles, and the public got all hopped up. There was pressure to crack down on Louis, so they did. And he ended up behind bars. But you were just doing your job, Gil. You, you didn't double-cross him or prosecute him. Lots of papers write about racketeering. I know, but that isn't the way Louis looks at it. He blames the whole thing on me, personally. He has nothing against the DA or the judge. Just me. I'm the Patsy. He wasn't just talking either, Pat. He'll do it. Or one of his hoods will. Yeah, his hoods might. I know the technique. They bring a stranger from a thousand miles away. Gets into an elevator with you and... Or better yet, spot you from a passing car, fires the shot, beats it, they ship him back where he came from. No connection with you. The cops draw a complete blank. One of these, one of these mornings they'll do it, Pat. Now, can you help me? You've got to, Pat. You've got to think of something. Oh, no, 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 no. First thing to do is to calm down. But I can't stop thinking about it. I won't be able to work. I won't be able to sleep tonight. I... Telephone for you, Mr. McIntyre. That's Louie. To ride me again, I'll bet. The office knows I'm here. They might have told him. Oh, kid, so head up, Mr. McIntyre. It isn't Louie. It's just your office. Oh, thanks, Sammy. Pardon me, Pat. Jean, I'll be right back. Yeah, go ahead. All right, Gil. Careful. Don't trip out here, Mr. McIntyre. The boss turned out most of the lights since everybody's gone. I'll be careful, Sammy. Phone booth's in the far corner. Yes, yes, I know. Do you know Louie Canito when you see him? Louie Canito? Yeah. I think I'd remember him. I'll tell you if I see him around. All right. He won't have to tell you anything, Gil. Louis. I told you you'd get awful nervous, Gil. Louis, get out of here. I told Pat Abbott about you threatening me. If anything happens to me, you're the first guy they'll pick up. You're a two-time loser, Louis. You got a bad record. They'll nail you for it in a minute. You'll get the chair, you screwball. Sure. But they'll have to find me first. That might be awful tough. And you wouldn't know the difference. You'll be in a coffin. Cut out that kind of talk, Louis, and beat it. Easy, Gil. You'll blow your stack. I can't stand this, Louie. I tell you, I can't. Gil, Gil, what happened? Pat, Pat, is Gil all right? Yes, Gil's all right, Jean. Louie is dead. Louie's body was sprawled on the floor of the pink elephant. I was horrified and quite surprised at the turn of events. Gil was babbling hysterically to Pat, who kept walking around, touching this, examining that, 
thinking. Pat, I didn't kill him, so help me. I didn't kill him, Pat. It's odd. I don't see a gun around here anywhere. What did you say happened? I was just standing there talking to Louis. Suddenly I heard shots and Louis fell down. You see what happened, Sammy? No, sir. Well, neither did we. The door to that back room was closed. Well, I was sitting at the piano playing at him. Didn't you hear me in the other room? Oh, y yes. Yes, we did. Well, I heard an argument between Mr. McIntyre and Louis, and then I heard the shots. Mm -hmm. What direction did they come from? I couldn't say. I was so surprised and scared. I, I, I don't know. Well, the front door isn't locked. Could the shots have come from the street? Oh, yeah, sure. I got... Well, I can't say exactly where they came from. I don't know. Um, does Marion live far from here? Anybody know? Not far, Pat. Gil, uh, which way were you facing? Toward the street? No. Toward the telephone booth. Mm -hmm. It was very dark. All I could make out was Louis standing there. Pat, I tell you, I didn't do it. Yeah. Well, it isn't going to be easy to sell that story to the police, Gil. Who did kill Louis? The little man who wasn't there? You and Louis had quite a feud going on between you. He's lying there dead. You're standing in front of him. How does that look to you? I know, I know, Pat. I know all about it. Five will get you ten. Any jury in the world puts the rap on you. Look, Pat, you're a detective. There must be something you can do, something to help me. Yes, I'm going to do it right now. What is it? I'm going to call the police. The police got nowhere. They never found the gun. They shot pictures, made maps, and took us to headquarters for questioning. Finally, they let everybody go. A sharp lawyer from the register got Gill out on bail. Gill's reputation and pull were powerful enough to spring him for a while. He began to feel better. He knew that so far the police had nothing on him. And he began to feel there was some hope. The case against him was slightly the side of circumstantial. Then at the Pink Elephant one night, Pat and I were at our table with Marion, Gill's girlfriend. Sammy, as always, was at his piano. Waiting for Gil again, Marion. Uh-huh. He's awfully late tonight, too. I can't imagine where he is. Tell me, Marion. Yes, Sammy. Haven't you anything better to do than to sit around bars all night waiting for Gil? And what business is it of yours? You poor kid. You think it's clever to put that goo on your face and smoke three packs a day and drink liquor like it was water. And you end up in a mess much too big to handle. You can call me a reformer or a blue nose or a square, but I don't dig it. I think it's a shame. I hate to see kids like Marion in these joints all hours. Oh, no, Sammy, take it easy. Marion's a decent, bright girl. She can handle herself. Don't you start lecturing the pink elephant's clientele on the subject of morals. Okay, Mr. Abbott. I just sound off about it now and then. This juvenile delinquency business is a bloody heartbreaking thing, you know? Yes, of course it is. But all youngsters aren't that way, Sammy. Well, she just wants to have a normal girl's fun, going out, dating. Is it fun for a girl like Marion to be running around till 4 o'clock in the morning? Oh, come on, Sammy, knock it off. You're an old nuisance sometimes, you know. Kids didn't act that way back in my time. I knew you when you were a decent kid. I don't know what's happened to you. I like what's happened to me. I think I'm doing very nicely. Uh, Jean, let's go outside, get some fresh air, huh? Oh, Leave these two to their arguments. Excuse us, Marion. Sammy, see you later. Why do you have to drink all night? You drink five, six I don't see why it should bother you. With one enough? Now, listen, Come on, Jean, walk faster. I want to get away from here. 
Where are we going, dear? I've only got one suspect, Gil McIntyre. I haven't really done a job on him. I'm going to give him a fancy workout. Pat and I took a cab to the office of the register. It was deserted at 3 a.m., being an afternoon paper. We sneaked past the night watchman and tiptoed down the hall toward the newsroom. Shh. Quietly, Jean, quietly. Well, I thought you wanted to see Gil McIntyre. He isn't here. Nobody's here. That's right. Makes what I wanted to do much simpler. Well, what did you want to do, dear? Well, you have the most irritating habit of talking riddles at the most crucial moments. Oh, never mind. Can you find the light switch? Well, of course not. Remember me, the gal who always stubs her toe at night looking for the light switch? I never found one in my life. Okay. I'll light a match. Yeah, there's Gil's desk over there. Now, come on. Very quietly. Easy. I still don't see what you're up to. Jean, there have been a lot of angles to Gil's background that he's been awfully vague about. I came here to see if he'd enlighten me. But this way, it's so much easier. Now, you light another match, and I'll open this drawer in his desk. Good. Now, you got a nail file? Uh-huh. Wait a second. Here. Uh, well, this won't be tough. These desk locks are child's play. Oh, for you, Houdini, sure. Sure, it shows you how study pays off. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Remember all those nights I used to spend talking with that old locksmith we met in New England? One more second. There we are. You looking for the gun that killed Louis? Now, don't heckle me. Be quiet. Light me another match. Oh, hurry, Pat. The watchman may come around. Mm, these are interesting. Well, these papers clear up a little something about Gil I wasn't too sure about. What are they? That cartel of Louis Canedo. The one Gil was supposed to have broken up for the sake of crusading journalism or what have you. That seems to have been reorganized. Looks like Gill runs it himself. Gill took over Louis's racket? Yes, with minor variations. That's why he exposed Louis, I guess. He wanted the money for himself. Wanted Louis out of the way. Well, no wonder Louis hated him. Mm. I always thought Gill was such a darling. Oh, just a second. Looks like Gill didn't keep the whole deal to himself. Here's a piece of paper signed by Marion. I'll bet he gave her some stock in one of those phony corporations the boys have. Yeah, she said I'm doing very nicely, remember? She dresses expensively, lots of jewelry. How about a perfume? Oh, costs a fortune. Uh-huh. Sure, that's what Gil must have done. Well, she's a very smart apple, this apparently innocent youngster. Uh -huh. She... Ow! Huh? Must I hold matches for you? What kind of a detective are you without a flashlight? Oh, all right, I'll light my own. Now, this is my last one. I'll have to work fast. Might be even more papers in here in the pigeonholes. <laughs> These old-fashioned desks. Well, I'll roll the top back. Never let it be said the mother's little helper. Pat. Hmm? Look. What? What is it? Well, on the floor, dripping. Dripping down from inside here. Is that blood? Yeah, you better let me roll back this top. Stand away. Hmm. Wait, it's... It's Gil! Is he dead? Wait a minute. Yeah. Someone took a copy spike and oh. drove it right through his head. Oh, it's awful, Pat. I, I feel dizzy. The sight oh, steady, of... darling, steady. Just sit down. Oh. No, no, no. Come on. We're going back to the pink but, elephant. But the body, dear. We, we, we can't just leave it. Yes, we have to. Now, no one must know about this. Not for just a few minutes. It gives me the margin of time I need. 
Now, don't say a word about this to anyone. Watch yourself very carefully. Not even a little slip that would indicate we've been anywhere near this office. I want to see if Marion has any ideas about why Gil is late for his date. And I want to set a little trap, too. Now, remember. And don't be grim, either. Just be your usual gay self. Everything depends on our getting away with this as though nothing in the world had ever happened. Enjoy your stroll, Mr. Abbott? Yeah, very refreshing, Marion. The smoke in these places and the liquor fumes bother me. Oh, my boy spent too much time on those western prairies. Big outdoors, man. Feels all confined with us city folk. You haven't seen Gil anywhere, have you? No. I wonder what happened. He said he'd be here at 2.30 and it's almost sunrise. Well, Marion, don't fret. Just relax and listen to Sammy. That Sammy's got to teach me to play like that. I will, Mrs. Abbott. Anytime. All I know is that one crummy tune. <laughs> well, anyone want to hear it? Uh, well, there she goes, the fearless type. Please, Mrs. Avila. It makes me nervous when people touch my piano. Just a whim of mine, if you don't mind. <laughs> okay, Sammy, I know how you feel. It's tuned just the way you like it, sort of like your own baby. I won't bother you. Oh, go on, Jean. Play that uh, crummy tune. Do I hear you correctly? You do. I want you to play it for us right now. Go ahead. But, Mr. Abbott, Sammy I... just told I you said that. play the piano this minute, Jean. Now, get away from the piano, Sammy. Let my wife play it. You heard me. Everybody heard me. Pat, are you serious? What for? What's got into you? I've never been more serious in my life. There's nothing I want to see so much as you sitting at that piano. And don't lose any time. Gosh, everybody's gone screwy tonight. Mr. Abbott, I just... Does she to... play the piano right now, Sammy, or do I shove you away from there and put her on that piano stool myself? Oh, okay. You asked for it. Ladies and gentlemen, a special arrangement by Jean Abbott at the request of my silly husband who thinks it's entertaining. Sammy, you got a cigarette or something stuck in the back of the piano? Sammy, I asked you... Go ahead, you Sammy. Go back to the piano and take out the gun. The gun? All right, Mr. Rabbit. As you say. Here it is. Thanks, I'll take it. But, Pat, I... Well, whose gun is that? It's Sammy's. It's the one he used to kill Louis Canito. That right, Sammy? Well, come on, Sammy. You haven't got a prayer. Okay. Yes. It's the gun I used to kill Louis. The gun you used? Sammy, you... You killed... We found Gil's body, Sammy, where you left it. Inside the roll-top desk. Gil's body? Is Gil dead? Is Gil dead? Yes, he is. We found him stabbed to death a few minutes ago. Oh, no, no. I won't believe it. Oh, Gil. Take it easy, Mary. Easy, child. Easy. I think I got the whole picture, Sammy, except for why you did this. The motivation has been puzzling me. Somebody had to pay Gil off for what he did to my Marion. Your huh? Marion? You'd have done it, Mrs. Abbott, if she were your daughter. Oh, Sammy, we never knew. She wanted me to keep it quiet. I was ashamed, Mr. Abbott. I didn't want anyone to know my father played the piano in a barroom. Oh, I guess it was terribly unfair, but you have to realize what kind of life we've had. Always on the road, always 
my father working in grimy little joints to make the rent money. I was desperate. I had to get out of the rut. I wanted to have money mixed with the right people. I couldn't let anyone know. Well, you see a man take your own daughter and change her from the girl you've loved and raised and worked for, the girl who was your whole life, and that man turns her into a piece of cheap trash. You figure your own life isn't worth much. If you can get rid of him and straighten her out, you... You wouldn't listen, Marion. You just wouldn't listen to me, child. It got worse and worse. It was driving me crazy. Oh, I know. But was it right? You always told me to play percentages. Now what have you won? What have we got now, you and I? Pat turned Sammy over to the police, although Pat wasn't too happy about it. There's a kind of satisfaction in nailing a professional killer or an oily swindler. But sometimes this private detective work hurts you personally. When it means taking a misfit who got his signals mixed and committed a crime of passion. We promised Sammy we'd keep an eye on Marion and try to straighten her out. It was sunrise when Pat and I walked slowly home through the streets of San Francisco. Deserted except for the very distant sound down at the waterfront of the fishing boats plying back and forth on the bay. Okay, darling, I know what bothers you. What bothers me, pal, is how you knew the gun was in the piano. Well, you see, the first time you tried to play Sammy's piano, he was not only happy to let you do it, but he said he liked having anyone play it. Well, when we came back from the register office, he suddenly wouldn't let you touch it. I had to drag him away from it. That made me curious. I began thinking, what could be wrong with the piano? A cigarette or some sheet music stuck in the key? No. No, he wouldn't raise the dickens about that. What's the one important clue that's been missing? The gun, dear, the gun. So I insisted you play. Sammy knew what part of the strings and back of the piano were covered by the gun. You didn't. He knew which keys to avoid. But he was afraid you'd strike the wrong ones. But why did Sammy kill Louie and not Gil? Well, Sammy must have had the gun with him for weeks, planning to murder Gil. At night, when we were in the back room with the door closed and the pink elephant was empty, Sammy had his chance. But he got smart very quickly. He'd overheard the feud between Louie and Gil, so he decided to switch and kill Louie. That way, Gil would get the rap, and nobody would ever suspect that that friendly little piano player in the corner did it. Even if they found out that he was Marion's father. Murder once removed, we call it in the trade, dear. And the actual shooting, that was done by playing the piano with one hand. Mm -hmm. Lots of special jazz was written for one hand only. So, with his right, he must have shot Louis when the two men had their backs to him. I suppose Gil finally guessed what had happened, and that's why Sammy had to get rid of Gil, too. Mm -hmm. At the register office, I think. Uh, Pat. Yes, dear. About that other case. Hmm? The one you finished in New York before we went to the Pink Elephant. The one you handled alone. Oh, yes. Do you still swear you weren't at all interested in the three suspects? The blonde, the brunette, or the redhead? I swear, if you'll help me. <laughs> that's why I love you, Pat. Well, of course that's why. I love you because you're such a wonderful, charming, brilliant, handsome, awful liar.
The National Broadcasting Company has presented The Adventures of the Abbots, starring Claudia Morgan and Les Damon as those popular personalities of detective fiction, Pat and Jean Abbott, created by Francis Crane. We wish to thank our guest star, Miss Sherry Britton, for her portrayal of Marion in tonight's story. Others in the cast were Mandel Kramer and Jack Abbott. The Adventures of the Abbots was written by Howard Merrill. Original music composed and directed by Dewey Bergman. Produced by Ted Lloyd and Bernard L. Schubert. Directed and recorded by Harry Frazee. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. <laughs>